Welcome to Interdisciplinary. This is the long-awaited, or maybe not, season wrap-up of season seven. Uh, here we are again with four-fifths of the Brain Trust. Laura, who actually works at Healwell, is working today. Um, but here we are, ready to podcast for your enjoyment and infuriation. Um, here to say the quiet parts loud and uh, talk about how it went this season and the, the state of the world. Don't hang up. There's more. Um, it's going to be good. And uh, make sure that you check out our Patreon offerings and get the madness and the bonus content at... Rebecca's going to give you the URL because I can't remember it. It's so hard. Um, Patreon.com slash interdisciplinary. That's why I can't remember it. So there it is. Do that. Check it out. Um, and get a remember sticker. Also, oh, get a sticker. A super cool Secret Squirrel sticker. And... Um, really like some quality content um, that you um, will want to share with all your friends and neighbors. And uh, check out the community at community.healwell.org. That one's easier to remember for some reason. I don't know. Here we are with our pun to start off this episode. I hope you guys are ready. What's the difference between the USA and a bird? I don't know. What? On a bird, the left wing and the right wing work together to benefit the whole bird. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Timely. I, oh. I thought that would be appropriate for today's episode. Yeah. yeah. A groaner yeah. on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Wow. It hurts because it's true. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we covered a lot of ground this season, friends. Yeah. We did. Well, I'm curious from from you all, um, as we're recording this, we um, have just finished putting together the episode that um, you listeners have probably just heard about the hospital-based massage therapy class in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, so that, that kind of caps off a varied season. We had guests, we had ourselves ranting, we had a sort of um, artsy soundscape episode. <laughs> Um, um, so I'm wondering from, from you all who are here today, like, did you have a favorite and if so, why, or was there one that, that is kind of living in your, in your memory? I think Nellie Galindo rocks. I loved that episode. Mm. She's yeah. so smart. Yeah. So. Nellie Galindo, the, the, um, disability rights activist and um, sexual health educator who's going to be part of our um, healthcare and intimacy symposium on September 24th. Yes. Well, and you know, I feel like I feel so often that when like listening to Nellie's episode, I really wanted to drill down and have a completely separate episode about how many people had the response when Nellie said that um, Nellie's pronouns are she, her. Mm -hmm. Yes. yes when she said that her disability was generalized anxiety disorder and, and how many people were like, Oh, well, that's not a disability. And sort of, you know, when we look at broadly that one in four people in America is living with disability, that there are invisible disabilities. And that, you know, if you're standing behind someone with generalized anxiety disorder in the grocery store, you don't know that they're living with a disability, but as they're standing there, they're dealing with this chronic, mental health challenge. And I think that it just really, 
it's something that I think bears further exploration um, within our community and probably, you know, and further podcast episodes, just that disability is so much broader than I think we understand it to be. And um, that's all I have to say about that. Well, it makes me think of the the cancer hierarchy that we see a lot in oncology massage and in the and and even just the the illness hierarchy that we see in hospitals and out of hospitals that you know are you really sick quote unquote do you have like a real cancer quote unquote or did you just have skin cancer <laughs> um, and I really loved that that you know that that Nellie owns anxiety as a disability because I think there are a lot of us who have the same uh, diagnosis who feel, I don't know, uh, like I don't deserve to call myself disabled, like I'm not disabled enough. Um, And I I think that it's a really, I agree with you, Cal, it always piques my interest to to hear the way that we decide what's, what's real hurt and what's not real hurt. Well, that reminded me too of of a little bit of what, we as practitioners <clears throat> need to to continually get better at. Um, you know, we talk about we were talking before we started the podcast about having an accessible space, an accessible classroom space, and there's there's the obvious things like um, you know no stairs or wide enough doorways and good lighting and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but the not obvious things that um, if, if you'll indulge me with a personal story, <laughs> um, I, I don't identify as disabled, but I have had um, experiences that were traumatic that affect the way that I prefer to be in a treatment space. And I've had chiropractors where I'll be face down on the table and they're doing an assessment, do an adjustment without telling me that they were going to do an adjustment, you know, and, and that has caused, um, a panic attack basically because of past history. And it, and it just occurred to me it now, as we're talking like, right, this is something we need to get so much better at. Um, like the acknowledgement of human experience as being so broad and so, um, also fraught with joy, but also peril. Um, so our understanding of disability, of trauma, of um, systemic oppression <laughs> uh, needs to be carried all the way through everything that we do. Um, and it's a, it's a constant challenge. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Corey? What was your favorite? Um, I really enjoyed emphatically no questions for lots of reasons. Um, I am noticing in myself that it's important for me to be able to describe things. Um, and not all of those experiences or things that I'm describing are necessarily helped by description, but it helps me. So being able to discuss, to experience something and then discuss it and discuss and break down what about it felt like weird or wrong or odd or any of those things. And I've had a lot of those feelings being a massage therapist for a very long time, but nobody really wanted to talk about it, right? There was a lot of like complaining about the obvious things, but we don't really want to complain about, again, like the systemic things, the things that like 
really are an overarching problem um, that we just consider unfixable or um, consider okay because we consider them unfixable. Um, so it was nice to have just a conversation about any of those topics without getting shut down or having people just like skitter away into the darkness, which is normally what happens, <laughs> especially when I start getting very like serious and critical and like reasoning. And, and then I think it has to do with this. And I think it has to do with this and um, not everybody's up for that conversation and certainly not out of the blue, which is when those conversations happen. So, so much skittering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I feel like in a, in a large way, this whole season was about like pulling back from skittering. Mm, I mean, that's like, yeah. kind of our whole being, but yeah. um, like we, we were talking about trauma-informed care. We're talking about death and dying. Well, we're always talking about dying. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what we do. But, <laughs> um, but I feel like we're, we're really more uh, deliberately and intentionally going there with this podcast as well as like with Cal's latest blog post. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder how you all feel about that. That podcast has, uh, that blog post is called Strange Bedfellows. You can find it at healwell.org slash blog if you haven't already seen it. We want to know what you think. Yes. We want to know what you feel. Oh be prepared for feelings. <laughs> like, like really like take some time read it on your own pace the room maybe read it again there will be feelings maybe that should be our next heal well t-shirt you know get ready for feelings that's right <laughs> oh, heck feelings yeah. are coming. <laughs> welcome to heal well there will be feelings <laughs> <laughs> and you will have to sit in a circle <laughs> <laughs> that's right there'll be a lot of circular gathering well, you know, I feel like one of the things that is, um, it is sort of part of our brand, but also I feel like, you know, echoing and maybe expanding on what you were saying about this particular season is that the more we talk about these things that people tend to skitter away from, the more clear it becomes that you can only talk so much that, you know, these things that sort of plague our society and keep us in systems of oppression and harm are not going to be solved with our brains alone. Mm -hmm. And that it's important to talk and to invite people to consider these topics so that they can then go from our episodes or from various things they read and see and say like, wow, how does this make me feel? And I'm curious about why and how I feel this. And I feel like Kamalitha talked about that a bit in her um, episode. Um, she's also she, her, right? Yes. Okay. Um, where, you know, <sighs> I think the, the frustrating, that's so cute. I was saying the frustrating thing, like there's one frustrating thing. We could just solve this. <laughs> one of the myriad frustrating things is that um, I feel like what she pointed to is that we're all providing trauma. Well, we should be and have the potential to be providing trauma-informed care, that being a human is a traumatic experience and that we, it, it kind of goes back to the stuff we're always talking about regarding burnout, that burnout isn't the result of intense experiences. It's the result of being asked to pretend that intense experiences aren't intense. And being a person on the planet earth right now is an intense experience. And I think 
partic the particularly frustrating thing about this for me is that we're still, this message is still appealing to such a subset of massage therapists and even maybe to healthcare providers more broadly that, you know, our profession doesn't recognize that these are the skills that are missing for care providers in this time and possibly in time in memoriam, but really in this moment in time, you have no business putting, you know, no business putting your hands on a person if you don't know about these things. And if you're not aware of how to make space for the difficulty of being a person. Yeah. It's been a lot of um, reminders of the difficulty of being in a person lately. <laughs> well, in, it's really interesting because uh, one of the things about both what you just said, Cal, and about listening to Kamalitha's uh, episode, I was thinking back to when I was a brand new massage therapy teacher um, and in the pathology class that I was assigned to teach, which was a hodgepodge of things. <laughs> uh, PTSD was one of the pathologies that I was supposed to teach about. And again, I had only been a massage therapist probably for five or six years at that point. Um, so I hadn't really thought about or encountered a lot of but I hadn't knowingly encountered a lot of patients with PTSD or thought about my work really as, as affecting that. And so like a good little doobie, I did all kinds of research about it. And one of the things that kept coming up in the description of sort of what makes an event traumatic for someone versus what makes it stressful, um, or mere, merely fright, frightening is it was always about this sense of helplessness that that was really key to what created trauma for people, but whether it was natural disasters, physical violence, um, merely witnessing something horrible happening to some other person. Um, and I'm, I'm just interested in what you guys all think about the sense of helplessness, because I think I personally have some frustration about people behaving like they're helpless. <laughs> um, but I also, of course, have helped felt helpless myself many times. And I'm interested as we talk about how the experience of being a human is potentially traumatizing. How do you feel like that fits in for you guys? With the season or with life? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you ask about that because that's been, I, I feel like for the past, definitely, um, for the past few weeks, that's been like a daily struggle to, to not go through my day living helpless. Um, and also to understand that I'm kind of helpless, <laughs> especially as one human being alone. Um, I mean, if, if, if there's a, a message that comes from any of our seasons, but this one in particular is that um, we are better in connection yeah. than we are alone. Um, and seeking and making that connection in a meaningful way is everything. Um, yeah, but the I have I have a lot of um, patience. I think for um, the feeling of of helplessness, especially now, um, 
because even though what is happening in the world and things that have been changed and rights that have been and are about to be um, taken away, um, there's, you know, there were signs and dog whistles for months and years um, ahead of time. But it's still, it's, it's you know, how do, how do you lose your rights really slowly and then suddenly? Mm. And the suddenly part of that is hard. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, in service of the thing that we most need, which is connection, um, the, uh, a little um, grace around helpless feeling is necessary. Um, and I think having, uh, having an offering grace around that is, is also more conducive to getting past that to a place of movement than um, frustration, although I do understand the frustration. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my Fourth of July message on Facebook this year. Um, I'm. I try to be picky about what I put on my Facebook. It either needs to be helpful in a like, here's this adorable little pig in the mud kind of way, or um, informative in a confident kind of way, or um, supportive, and preferably with action attached for people. I think we all get stuck at the action part of wanting to change things. But my, <laughs> my happy 4th of July message this year was um, fear is contagious. So is anger. Happy 4th of July. Yeah. So the idea is that sometimes I feel really, really afraid <laughs> of what's going on. And sometimes I feel really, really angry. And I think anger is more useful. And you can spread both of them. So if you're going to spread one, <laughs> you should probably choose anger <laughs> because anger galvanizes and fear makes you hide. Yeah. Um, my other 4th of July post um, for the past like four years has also been the Independence Day image of the White House blowing up. So yes, there's also that sentiment that has carried me through several years now. Um, but I think the helplessness I mean, how do you combat helplessness, right? You combat it with knowing what to do next because the problem with helplessness is that you don't know what to do and you have no idea how to find out what to do. And maybe in that moment, there is literally nothing you can do, which is terrible. So what can you do? And what are you willing to do, I guess? Cal, what do you think about helplessness in terms of, um, before the episode started, we were talking about um, medical providers who are suddenly unable to legally do what they have been trained to do um, or to use their, their own clinical reasoning to make clinical decisions. And I'm curious about sort of professional helplessness that is happening in, in, in medicine across the board. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I do think that um, we <laughs> Americans want to have their cake and eat it too. Um, and, and I only can speak for Americans because I don't live in another country and have never lived in another country. And I'm sure that, I mean, what we're seeing here is very human. Um, and it connects back to what Corey was talking about, the fear and anger. And um, just the, the thing that we always talk about on this podcast and all day long, every day, is the human's addiction to comfort. And so, like, I'm really disappointed in Americans for giving in to this part of themselves 
and the and I'm really disheartened by the the greed and power dynamic that is certainly influencing like the Supreme Court's most recent decisions and the way that our lawmakers are are behaving for the most part. Um, but the um, American Association of Family Physicians, I think it was, um, put out a statement that um, if you'll indulge me, I want to read real quickly. Um, I think it was last week or uh, it was shortly after the Roe v. Wade decision. And I feel like it really kind of hits the nail on the head and we can we can bounce off it and, and share about how this impacts. I, I think connecting to helplessness as massage therapists, I think we feel like I don't I don't know what to do with this information and this like impact on healthcare and does like, obviously I don't provide nor am I in any way involved in abortion services as a massage therapist, but am I? And so I feel like um, this statement, they say patients must be able to depend on their physicians to help them make critical decisions about their personal health. Physicians must be able to practice medicine that is informed by their years of medical education, training, experience, and the available evidence freely and without threat of punishment, harassment, or retribution. The court's decision prevents these basic tenets of healthcare. And, you know, we, we're big fans of um, Massage Business Blueprint and Michael Reynolds um, specifically. And Michael, Michael put a blog out last week about mixing what he put in quotes, politics and business. And really encouraging um, because Massage Business Blueprint obviously caters to massage therapists, massage therapists, but I think more broadly, providers of all kind to absolutely combine those things. And that if you need data, of course, because he's Michael Reynolds, he shared data about how trends are leaning in the direction that consumers choose providers, companies, sales, people, whatever, who share their values in an increasing percentage right now. And I feel like the struggle with this is that <laughs> you hear so many people say, keep your politics out of my insert, whatever it is where they don't want politics, but politics is being inserted for truth. And I think what's really sad to me is that if the truth doesn't fit what you want to believe or what allows you to stay comfortable, you call it my politics. And then you decide that we can't have this conversation. And I think that this is this is what's happening in America is that we we don't have the critical thinking skills. We don't have any capacity for discomfort that allows us to recognize that a majority of Americans are actually against a ban on abortion. But the Supreme Court has this momentum now that absolutely was fomented by the election of Trump and his ability to select judges um, and that there's this leaning toward, I mean, what feels almost like lunacy to me that it's not, it doesn't feel like a Republic. And so that leads to the sense of helplessness. And that leads to the sense of like, you know, when the NRA says the reason that these shootings happen is because they're in gun free zones, which we are then led to believe that if people in these scenes where these shootings happened could have also had guns, then they could have shot the shooter. And, and that that's the solution feels, it, it feels like we're slipping down a muddy, slippery slope and I, there's nothing to grab onto. And that does feel like, wow, I, each breath I take in this vaguely free America, I'm like, okay, well, that was one more breath I got to take without 
like, I don't know, being personally, physically in my space attacked, but each day I feel like the discourse is shifting further and further away from reality and the truths that we really need to face in order to right the ship. So I don't know if that answers your question at all, but <laughs> I feel like there's a lot happening that it, when we're feeling helpless, speaking the truth is something we can always do. Well, and this is, this is I think, uh, dovetails or maybe not, um, maybe I just feel like ranting, but it's a, the thing that is frustrating to me is that, you know, when, when we as massage therapists or healthcare providers are, um, decide that, you know, we, we need to be a, a safe, neutral space and whatever. We are not neutral. Our job is to put our hands on people's bodies and make that a safe experience. And it, to, to make people, to create a space where people can be um, safe and beloved in the bodies that they have. And we are increasingly in a country where that is not possible anywhere else. We're already political if we're doing our jobs. Preach it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that also brings up the question of what are you willing to do inside of your treatment room and what are you willing to do outside of your treatment room and how far are you willing to go to protect the people in your treatment room? because they are not protected outside of it. So if you're really, truly going to be taking care of people and you have to take care of them outside of your treatment room as well. And right now that, excuse me, involves some shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Yeah. This has been, I feel like much of this, podcast season and political season and just season um, has been a lot of like, for me personally, um, just a reminder that, okay, it's, it's, it's nice that you want to be kind and loving to everybody, but you got to get out of your apartment <laughs> and, and go do that where people can see you. Um, so that's challenging. It is. Well, and I, I feel like the fear piece comes in too with, you know, there are moments where it feels very clear about sort of what's necessary and, and sort of what we're avoiding. And I feel like uh, one of our community members yesterday uh, posted this great meme of something that James Baldwin had said, and it it's, was really clarifying for me. He says, we can disagree and still love each other. Unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. And I think this is where tolerance leaves us dry. And I've never been a fan of tolerance. I think it's the easy way out. And it is just me agreeing not to punch you in the face, which is not productive. Um, well, I mean, modern. I, sure. I, <laughs> right. It's a low bar. Let's call it a low bar. Um, <laughs> But that tolerance is not love. And like, yeah. if you believe in the Bible and you follow the teachings of Jesus, Jesus probably would not have said to tolerate each other. Like that's right. not a thing. Yeah. And that yeah. it is actually not okay for you to believe in another person's 
non-humanness. Mm-hmm. I will not allow that. You can keep believing that, but I won't just be like, oh, that's cool. I don't share that view, but you, you do you. No, yeah. you doing you is harming other people. And so I need to do something about that. And I may not be able to change your mind, but you don't get to continue to be in comfort in this harmful position and perspective. And I think that's the place where we just want everybody to get along. And that's where like, just a little kindness is all we need. I, that does make me want to punch people in the face. Yes, be kind, absolutely. And kind kicks nice's ass every day. Kind and nice are not the same, but kindness won't solve these problems. It's gonna require a different kind of bravery and a different kind of clarity about what's at stake and what our responsibility is in in really changing the conversation. And it does mean speaking up in places where it's quote, not our place and being willing to risk the discomfort and possible loss of relationship or power or status or whatever it might be. Um, Because as long as we're all committed to maintaining our comfort and our status and our power, none of these systems will change. So each of us who's willing to risk that sets a new precedent and shows other people that that is possible. And we all do it in different ways. Some of us will do it from our couches, Um, but there is something that can be done. Yeah, Carrie's like, yeah, from the couch. (laughs) (laughs) With a blanket and a cat. (laughs) And a megaphone. Well, it, it, and it, it strikes me, Mikhail, that, that part of part of the I don't know, confronting or, or like being honest with people who are who are denying other people's humanness or our unwillingness to do that, particularly with family members, stems from a misunderstanding of what love actually is. Like mm-hmm. love is not letting somebody do that. Love is trying to bring somebody into a space where they are better. Yeah. And that's not sometimes that involves what we, what looks like or what is confrontation and, and discomfort and um, yeah, loss of relationship. The things that send us skittering. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Maybe don't, we could don't. have a t-shirt that's like turning the lights on and have like roaches just <laughs> like trying to find the darkness. <laughs> Wear the flashlight under your refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious how, I mean, yeah, I'm curious how uh, you all feel like, I feel the tension in terms of education of healthcare providers for 21st century practice. And the tension is there's new data, there are new treatments, there are new, there's new stuff. Like as massage therapists, we're learning new things about the body all the time. And I never want people to get the impression that I think that we shouldn't learn new techniques or that we don't need to know that like there's all these lymph nodes in the brain that we didn't know about. And like, this is all information and facts that we should be encouraged to learn. But I really wonder, I don't wonder, actually, I think it's imperative that this kind of awareness and education become part of, and a prioritized part of our ongoing education. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know how to move that needle. I mean, people will seek out, we have demonstrated at HealWell that there are providers who will seek out this kind of material and this kind of education, but 
we struggle when it comes to accrediting agencies giving us credit for classes that talk about the the skittery cockroachy topics that are really essential. And oh my gosh, I think Corey, Corey may just <laughs> tags her retina with Corey, the eye roll. Corey's eyes yes, another Corey, we got to go back to there. Canada for your eyeballs. <laughs> Dude, Rebecca did it earlier and no one said anything. <laughs> <laughs> your eyeballs have a visa. They do now. <laughs> They're small enough they can sneak well, in. The Canadians you know, don't mind. I feel like, uh, you know, I hate the, once again, I feel like we're, we're back to a binary. It doesn't have to be either or. I mean, and certainly as, Re as Rebecca talked about, when you talked about your experience with chiropractic, you can teach hands-on techniques and teach soft skills at the same time. And you kind of have to. Right. Irresponsible <laughs> not to. Right. <laughs> you can teach facts, quote unquote, or you can teach that new shit has come to light, if I may, um, and teach about what is good research and how to know if this new shit that's come to light is actually new shit that's come to light. Right? <laughs> and how do we use that? And, and how do we incorporate that? I feel like we have such a simplistic view. And again, to go back to the episode, um, with um, our Nellie Galindo as the guest, you know, your two hours of sexual education that was all about abstinence. <laughs> like, that's not education. Oh, right? Born again virgin. <laughs> Ask Jesus to have his virginity back in Palamo. Palamo. That killed me. Oh, God. The tape oh, thing was the. <laughs> Stop it. Just, can we stop using inanimate objects to demonstrate but, our worth as human beings? But this is, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I was in high school, I had sex ed when I was 16, too late. Um, and ah. and it, the teacher actually said, ladies, the best form of birth control is a P. You put a P between your knees and you keep it there. I was in public school, people, in New Jersey. Like, come is on. It, how is it that I went to Catholic school <laughs> and I got better sex ed than all of y'all? No, no, mine was awesome, actually. Okay. Woo Waverly High School, thank you for doing something right. Yeah, well. Started in third grade. But it definitely had nothing to do with being gay, so there's that. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it did miss that, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I think that this is the thing, is that we, we get so uh, narrow in our view of whatever it is that I do, right? Myofascial release is this. And this is what my class about myofascial release is, or, you know, this is my class about ethics and it's about, it can only be about these things. And it, that's a soft skills class. This is a hard skills class. And I, I don't know because I haven't taken many uh, continuing education classes that weren't designed for massage therapists, but I, at least what I know from my conversations with other healthcare providers, this is not unique to our profession either, that we're not really good at blending these things. And as you said, we have to be, and it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. But then you have well, to be willing to stick your neck out. <laughs> yeah, It's not that. even sticking your neck out. Like yeah. <sighs> yeah. knowledge is not bias and it's completely biased like it's both but you have to understand like where the bias lies so knowledge is biased because of the people who create it right because people who study research have ideas and 
beliefs and just like everybody else, and that skews their research. But then we have this whole system where other people look at the research and they're like, you know, I think that you were biased, like showed up in this part of your experiment and we should probably talk about that and look at that and discuss that further. And maybe later down the line, someone can do something about that and 400 people can write essays about it and everybody can read it on the internet. Like there's a system, but knowledge itself is not bias it's just information and it's not going to bite you <laughs> like it's okay <laughs> to learn new things and it's okay to learn new things and then two months later be like oh that was totally wrong wow whoops yeah it was that was wrong wrong okay cool like back to the drawing board let's do it again it's okay to be wrong it's like just the only wrong move in this whole game is to be like i'm just gonna stick my fingers in my ears and go la la in the corner <laughs> and just call it good and do my little practice the way I learned 15 years ago, whatever your profession is, that is the wrong way to go about it. And we consistently go about it that way. Or I'm just going to, my favorite comment that I've heard from people is like, oh, I'm only here to get the CEs I actually know how to do this. My absolute favorite. Yeah. Yeah. What a waste for everyone. Well, and, and I feel like the, you know, the challenge, so I completely agree that soft skills as like we need a way better name for them by the way like badass super important don't leave your house without these skills maybe is that what you call them <laughs> all right we need, we need a forward. good acronym moving forward yes <laughs> um you know we were we just um laura and i just got back from uh teaching our six-day hospital-based course in lexington and one of the, um, you know, each day we have a quote unquote soft skills exploration um, of some topic. And one of the days we talked about cultural humility. And we showed this really great video from a Canadian health system talking about what is cultural humility. And, you know, I imagine people who um, don't feel strong in this area trying to incorporate this and saying like, well, of course you listen to your client. And like, that's check right? Like they've just talked about the soft skills. And, you know, there's this, there's this frame in this video that talks about compassion, listening. There's like maybe six things that as the students were watching this video, everyone was nodding very, you know, um, aggressively. And yes, of course, of course. And so when the video was over, Laura and I were like, well, so what does this word mean to you? Crickets, right? Like, what does it actually mean to listen? What is compassion in action as a healthcare provider? You know, what is um, discretion? And like, there are these terms that we all sort of agree are very important, but in terms of how we practice them, I, I feel like we really are a bit rudderless. And, and to say, you know, that healthcare educators should be addressing these topics I, I feel myself getting on my sheriff outfit, right? And being like, ah, not everybody's qualified to talk about this. And, you know, maybe it's better to not talk about it than to say all lives matter, right? Because like, that's kind of the version that we get is like, well, just be kind, just pay attention. Oh, piece of cake. Most humans do that. Um, we were talking about patients who can't communicate for any number of reasons. They're intubated, they're in a coma, et cetera, et cetera. And the students were saying, well, you know, I, I really prefer people who, um, I really prefer working with patients who can tell me what they need. And I was like, <laughs> which listen, hilarious, right? But super fair. It is sure, very sure. hard, especially at first to work with a person who can't use their face to tell you things. And, but so 
we ask them, how many people do you know who can tell you what they need? <laughs> That's why I was actually laughing. I yeah. Yeah. Yes. Forget about patience, right? Like I don't have a lot of people in my life who, if I said like, what do you need right now? would be like, here's my list. They'd be like, oh, I don't know. I just feel helpless, right? right? I just feel sad. I just feel angry. Um, so how do we, how do we make it clear that Rebecca, I think you hit on something really important. Um, I was talking with another friend and colleague this morning, Nicole Miller from um, New York, who's done a ton of work in training folks to work with um, veterans. And we were talking about how this is where the ethical rubber meets the road and that you can't practice ethically without a good understanding of these skills and these issues. And that we're, we're doing harm all over the place by not prioritizing this information in our curriculum and in our ongoing education. I, I wanna say, I wanna just take a sidestep for one moment and amend my earlier vote because this might be my favorite episode of the season <laughs> because I love this conversation, but mostly because normally my Midwestern friend, Corey has a voice that should be used for like making meditation tapes or something. And when she gets all shouty, I really love it. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I really want to, and maybe, you, maybe you've already expelled it, Corey, but I really want to hear what you said to the border agent when you went to pick up your eyeballs. How did you explain <laughs> Seriously, how they so got that, there? The, the last time I went to the border, by the way, was for a friend's wedding and we couldn't remember where the city was because it was like just across the border and the GPS was going to get us there anyway. And the nice, he was very nice. You could tell we were going to Canada and not to America. Um, the nice border guard was like, where are you going? And we were like, uh, I was like, I don't know. Hang on. Let me check the phone. And he was like, oh, that's never a good sign. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, it was, it was a good, it was a good comment. Um, I would like to circle back to something our lovely friend Esther said about, um, taking 17 years to get evidence into practice and, mm. um, why that's happening. So I think the thing that humans all have in common is that we think we know how to do things. And then it turns out we have absolutely no idea how to do things. And then we just drop it and walk away and do something we know how to do, like unload the yeah. dishwasher. Um, totally. <laughs> so as far as what you, the listener can do to help with this 17 year gap in information problem is to read the information and have thoughts um, yeah. because without a lot of people having thoughts, we don't get very far and it takes a lot of people to implement science. Um, so as far as like knowledge, just not having or picking a side, you also have to pick the side. Like, is this useful? Is this not useful? What can we do with it? What can't we do with it? Could it be, I mean, maybe you're the person who thinks of something absolutely fabulous that we can implement in three years. And if so, please come to Healwell and tell us about it. <laughs> Indeed. We'd love to hear it. <laughs> um, but it takes a lot of steps to make things happen, anything at all. And one of the things that I really truly believe, and I think probably have always believed is that everything is possible. And I do absolutely mean everything and everything everything is possible. I own a shirt with a flying pig on it that says believe. Like <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorites. Yes. Um, but that means that everything is possible for the people who want bad things for you as yeah. well. 
which is what we are now seeing. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that everything is not possible for you because it always is. There's so many of you like, don't think you're alone. The best way to make somebody stop fighting is to make them think you're alone. And you're listening to this. So clearly you don't want that anyway. Um, <laughs> just go find those people. That's why connection is the shit. We have to <laughs> yes. It is. Yeah. Yes. Essential. Yeah. I love you guys. <laughs> Thanks. Well, and I feel like the, the thing about this, everything is possible is I think that we tend to wait when we feel helpless, we wait to do a thing until we know what the thing is to do. And mm -hmm. it's like, just do something, do a thing, like just post a pig in the mud on Facebook and just say to people like, I'm out here and this made me happy. I hope it makes you happy. And, or whatever, whatever your thing is that you make eye contact with the person at the grocery store and you imagine what their life is like. And you just remember that one in four Americans is living with a disability. And I bet one of them's right next to me in this car or whatever it is. Like, can we just get out of our own, you know, my big wish for the community in this week's staff Q and A was that we all just take ourselves a little less seriously. And I feel like that, that, figures into this somehow that we just really get wrapped around the axle so tightly that we don't see what's possible and we don't see that everything's possible and that there is really great spaciousness when we can lift our heads above the fog that does seem to be rolling in. I don't mean to pretend that um, there's not a storm <laughs> a brewing as there is. Well, come duck under the awning with us at Healwell. <laughs> Been rolling in since the 1980s, yo. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that tacos. You should join us. What did you say, Corey? We have tacos. You should that's, join us. Yes. That's right. That's right. And snacks. And snacks. And love. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm curious what the people, what um, you people out there who are not seeing but are definitely thinking about are um, thinking about this. Um, so our email is podcast at heal.org. We want to hear your responses. It doesn't have to be um, fanatical agreement, although that is also welcome. All of your responses <laughs> are welcome. Definitely. <laughs> and snack suggestions. Don't forget, snacks. we yes. are collecting from listeners favorite snacks, and we will do a special Patreon snack episode just yes. for you. Yes, absolutely. We'll call yeah. it Meal Well. Meal well. <laughs> or, or maybe we won't. Never mind. Because See? snack well is already taken. Yeah. <laughs> is it though? Is yeah, it? I mean, they, right are. they might be. Well, we don't want to be associated with them. <laughs> Definitely not. Especially not after that. They made the money. Oh, well, back to marketing. That maintenance phase episode in the show. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a great episode. Yeah. They're all um, great, but they, yeah, that one. So yes, please come join us at healwell.org slash community. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash interdisciplinary. Email us at podcast at healwell.org. And yeah, do all the things. Anything's possible. Everything's possible. Woo-hoo! Pigs. Tacos. Pigs. We love you. <laughs> 
Interdisciplinary is produced by Healwell. Our theme music is by Harry Pickens. New episodes are available weekly through your favorite podcast outlet. Uh, and you can send us an email at podcast at healwell.org. That's podcast at healwell.org. Thanks for listening.